You guys can have a seat. We're going to continue our series on connections, on relationships this morning. And we're going to talk about a relationship that at first glance kind of doesn't necessarily seem to fit the series. So far as part of this connected sermon series, we've talked about your relationship with God, with a spouse, with kids, with parents, with friends. We've talked about a lot of different close relationships in in life. This week, we're going to talk about something a bit different, your relationship to the nations. Now, just to clarify, when I say your relationship to the nations, I'm not talking about like our government's relationship to the governments of other nations. I'm talking about us individually. So your personal relationship with people who are from other nations. Chances are very good that every single person in this room has some sort of connection to someone who did not grow up in the United States, someone from another nation. That's actually one of the things I love most about living in Bryan College Station. Here we are and really a tiny city in the middle of like Texas ranch country. And yet we are surrounded by so many people from so many other places on earth. It's amazing. We have so many people from other nations doing life with us. It wasn't like that when I was growing up. I I grew up in Tomball, about an hour south of here, when Tomball wasn't yet like a suburb of Houston. So it was really kind of just a small country town. And my family didn't really know any families from other nations. Like I think back to my time in grade school, I don't remember having any friends who were not from our community and and from Texas their whole lives. And it wasn't because my family was trying to isolate us. It's just, we didn't have many families from other nations living near us. That's totally different here. I have two kids, twins, 10 years old. Um, Both of them have many friends from other nations. So Luke, my son, one of his best friends in the world is from Israel. Spent his whole life there. Uh, My daughter, one of her best friends in the whole world is from China. And so my kids are growing up with this much bigger picture of the world. They know that it's normal and good for us to have deep friendships with people from other nations. And, and the big idea this morning is that God wants more of that for us, not less of that. God wants us to, to build friendships and to care deeply about people from other nations. Whether we go to them or they come to us, even if we have lots of friends who are American citizens, God wants us to build strong friendships with people from other nations, really get to know them and care about them deeply. Now, why is that? Why does God want us to form these strong friendships with people from other nations? Because let's be honest, it's not always easy. People from other nations, they eat different foods than we do, and, and some of them we might not like. People from other nations, they have very different customs than, than we do, and, and we may not understand some of them. People from other nations, they, they may speak other languages, and it might be hard for us to understand them or them to understand us. It's just a whole lot easier to hang out all the time with people who are just like us, or even easier, just sit on your couch and watch TV. So why does God want us to go to the effort to build strong friendships with people from other nations? Three big reasons that I think we can find in scripture. So I want to walk you through these three reasons why God wants us to care deeply about people from other nations. So first reason, because we share the greatest thing in common with them, the image of God. 
when we think about people from other nations, the first things that come to our mind are typically our differences. So typically the first thing that we're aware of is the, the different way we dress, the different food we eat, the different language we speak, the different cultural customs we have. We, we tend to see the differences first. I remember about 20 years ago, I went with Grace Bible Church on a short-term mission trip to Central Asia to one of the former Soviet republics. And we got off the plane and we went in the city. And I remember those first couple days in the city, what I noticed most were the differences. So the first difference, very different food in this particular country. When they trimmed the fat off the meat, they didn't throw it away. Instead, they served it as the main dish. The delicacy was cubes of pure fat. That was, took a little getting used to. Uh, second difference, they had a very different perception of appropriate personal space. They were close people. So they like to sit close to you. Even if you had like lots of seats that way and that way, they were right next to you, maybe touching you, um, talking close to you. So I remember the first couple of days, like my posture was like this, because I was like trying to make some personal space. So at first, what I noticed was the differences. But after a few weeks, as I really got to know and build friendships with some of the people of this land, what I, what I was struck by was how much more we had in common than we had different. So I got to know these young men about my same age and I found, you know what, they have the same desires that I do. They have the same needs that I do. They have the same fears that I do. We have far more in common than we have different. And at the top of the list, the greatest thing of all, we are all made in the image of God. That is the essential thing that unites all human beings. It's the most important thing about you and every other person on this planet is as a human, you are made in the image of God. That goes all the way back to the beginning. Genesis chapter one, before we were divided into separate races, ethnicities, and languages, we're told God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So the image of God in you is true of all human beings, male, female, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Middle Eastern. All of us are made equally in the image of God. Now, what does that mean to be made in the image of God? That's a very churchy thing to say. It means a couple things if you really want to try to boil it down. Number one, it means that humans uniquely are able to relate to God as father. Not true of any other life form. Humans are made to have a relationship with God. All humans on earth are invited to cry out to God as dad, to call him father. Second thing that it means to be made in the image of God, humans uniquely have the ability to reflect God's glory. We can reflect God's glory to the world through our moral choices, when we follow Jesus, and, and when we're resurrected through our physical bodies. Your body will shine God's glory to the watching universe. So you were made in the image of God. That's true of all human beings. Now, humans who have not yet trusted in Jesus, the image of God is there, but it's not activated yet. They're not yet calling God Father. They're not yet following Jesus. But, but the ability to be in the image of God is true of them. It's, it's the birthright of every human. And, and that unites us more than anything that would distinguish or differentiate us. And so I think it's important to say, biblically, there is no us versus them. There's just us. All human beings equally made in the image of God. That's so important to see that and, and to remember that because there's so much in, in the political discourse that fills the airwaves that tries to divide us. 
from people of other nations and other ethnic groups. So you think about how how politics works, whatever side of the political fence you're on. It tends to be that politics labels. That is one of the things that politics does. It creates labels. So us versus them. And and politics tends to emphasize differences. So our people, our values, our needs versus or distinguish from the, the values and needs of people from other nations. And politics tends to stoke fear. That's kind of how it works. They want you to go out and vote. They want to motivate you. So they stoke fear of that which is different than you. And so because of that, that political discourse going on in our country, it can tend to warp our perceptions of people from other nations. And so I'll give you a couple examples. When, when we see someone or inter- interact with someone for the first time who's from Mexico or, or Central America, it can be easy for our minds to jump to the heated debate over immigration and border security rather than first seeing them as someone made in the image of God who, who's equally valuable to God as any of us. Or when we meet somebody from the Middle East who, who is Arabic, it can be easy for us to jump to, to things in the news about terrorism or extremism and think about that first rather than see them first as a beautiful and lovely and amazing image bearer of God. And so it's important to say politics does matter. That's something you should talk about. But we must not let that distort something that's far more important. Seeing all people as made equally in the image of God. Our, these, these individual people, especially made in the image of God, they matter infinitely more than our political positions. Because they're image bearers. And so we need to keep our eyes focused on that. That all people of all nations and all ethnic groups are equally made in the image of God that unites all of us together. That's infinitely more important than anything that would divide us. So that's the first reason that God wants us to form deep relationships with people from other nations. Because we are all equally made in the image of God and that unites all of us together. Second reason that God wants us to care deeply about people from other nations is because God himself deeply loves the nations. God deeply loves people from every nationality. He loves all the ethnic groups on earth. How do you know that? Well, you just go to the most famous verse in your Bible. What's that? The one that everybody quotes all the time. John three sixteen, of course. For God so loved what? The world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God's love is for the whole world, not just for one nation, not just for one people group, but for the entire world, God has this deep love. And and let's remember, what does the love of God mean? It's not just a sentiment or a feeling, it's a sacrifice. The love of God is defined by the rest of the verse, that he was willing to give his son to die for our sins. And when I say our sins, I mean of all humans, all nations. Jesus died for all. So God's love through Jesus is available to all. There is no one on earth exempt from that verse, from that infinite love of God. God loves all people so much that God desires all to be saved from their sins. That's the point of 1 Timothy 2. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is no person on earth exempt from that verse. What does God want for every single person on the planet right now of every nation, every ethnic group, every socioeconomic level? 
He wants them to be saved through Jesus. That's his explicit desire for them. And so I I think it's important to, to realize that God wants to save the cartel boss from Central America, the ISIS gunman from Syria, uh, the despot ruling North Korea, as much as he wants to save your son or daughter. He wants that for everyone. So God desires salvation for all. He loves all people of all nations. And in fact, we know, because we get some of the end of the story, that God will indeed save people from every nation, every ethnic group on earth. So we see that in the book of Revelation. Chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. After this, is Apostle John speaking, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is uh, kind of, if you were to ask God, God, what, what would your perfect church service be? Like the worship that we just did, like what would be your like ideal worship service? It's that. It's all people, groups represented from, the, from all of humanity together in their own language, their own culture, all together celebrating and worshiping God. That's what's beautiful to God. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a taste of that, just a, a little picture of that. It hasn't happened yet. That's future. But every once in a while, we get a glimpse. I got a glimpse a couple months ago when my friend Elizabeth, who's there on the right of me, she is on our on-ramp board of directors, and she's Hispanic. She speaks Spanish. And she came as we gave a vehicle away to the Trevino family. Mr. Trevino's there on the left. Mr. Trevino doesn't speak English. And so Elizabeth came to pray, we always pray a blessing over the family, to pray it in Spanish. And I don't know Spanish. I was never good at it. And so Elizabeth is praying, and I don't know the meaning of the individual words, but I knew the prayer. Like it was obvious. The joy and the love and the hope that filled her prayer was obvious to all of us. And it was this amazing moment where you got a glimpse of this is, this is heaven right here. When men and women from various ethnic groups, various languages, who the world says are different, when they unite together in this common celebration of the love and joy of Christ, that's what beauty is. That's, that's beautiful. Okay, so God desires all people to be saved. He loves all the nations deeply. And so he wants all of us to get to know and care deeply about people from other nations. Third reason why God wants us to care deeply about people from other nations. God expects us to bless the nations. That's, that's what God expects of you. So if you kind of list it out, there's a number of things that God expects of you as a follower of Jesus. This is one of them. He expects you to use your life to bless the nations. And you can't do that unless you get to know people from other nations, form friendships with them. So we need to understand just a a general principle in life. God has blessed us specifically so that we can bless the nations. That's, That's always been true from the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you are blessed, which all of you are, part of the reason you are blessed is so that you can be a blessing to the nations. We can see kind of the origination of that all the way back in Genesis when we meet Abraham. Here's one of the verses about Abraham's life. God says, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Do you notice how the last sentence clarifies everything else? Why did God pick this one dude to get all this good stuff? 
last sentence, so that he would share it with every family on earth. Every nation, every ethnic group. That's always how God's blessings work. Now, this was spoken to Abraham, and it was about his genetic descendants, the Jews. But all of us have become children of Abraham through faith in Jesus. And so you, if you've trusted in Jesus, have inherited Abraham's blessings. But with them, you've also inherited Abraham's obligations. His responsibilities. So whatever blessings you enjoy in this life, spiritual, physical, whatever they might be, you have been blessed by God with the explicit purpose that you would be a blessing to the nations. So I I give you an example that comes to mind. I have some friends who are very wealthy and they are blessed to speak and read English. And what I mean by that, it's really interesting. In English, we have dozens of excellent translations of the Bible and hundreds of millions, maybe billions now, printed versions of the Bible in English. And if you want to study a passage of the Bible, you have commentaries, dictionaries, Bible background books. You have an incre- innumerable resources in English to know and study the Bible. So they recognize as English speakers and readers, we are blessed with so much access to the Bible. Well, that obligates us to share our blessing with those people groups that don't have the Bible yet. And so these friends of mine, they give generously of their money and their time to support translation ministries that are seeking to translate the Bible into other languages that don't have it yet. They, they recognize that their blessing obligates them to bless those without I have a friend I grew up with, a sweet girl who got married and she and her husband moved to Papua New Guinea where they've been for over two decades now, giving their lives, raising their family in Papua New Guinea, giving their time and their skills to the work of translation. Papua New Guinea is really challenging. There's like 400 to 800 different languages on that island and many of them don't have a written alphabet which means if you want to translate the bible you first have to invent the alphabet for them and then you have to like figure out how to write down words and you have to create the language in writing and then you translate the bible into the language and you have to go back to the village and teach everybody to read because they've never seen the language before and so they give their lives to that because they recognize we who speak english are incredibly blessed and blessing always obligates us to share it with those without. So whatever you're blessed with, whether it's wealth or time or a network or resources, whatever, you are obligated to share it with those from other nations who don't enjoy that. Okay, so God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. And when we think about all the blessings in our life, what is the greatest blessing we have? Well, it's the gospel. It's the fact that we know the good news about Jesus, that God in his rich mercy gave his own son who died for our sins and rose from the dead so we can have eternal life as a free gift. We know this shocking good news that the creator of heaven and earth gives heaven away for free. You know that. And because you know that, because you've been blessed with that knowledge, that now obligates you to share it. That's the point of of another very famous verse in the Bible, Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. A witness is one who testifies to the truth of something. You know the truth about Jesus and about eternal life. So you are called to share it with those who don't know yet. 
You're to go to, to Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. When you look at that list, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, end of the earth, we're the last one. We're part of the end of the earth. So welcome. Uh, we're on the other side of the planet from them. But there's still many parts of the end of the earth that don't have this good news yet. And so we're called to witness to them, to tell them this good news, this truth that there is a savior. So God wants us to care about and form deep friendships with people from other nations, whether we go to them or they come to us because we are all made in the image of God. God loves the nations deeply and God has blessed us explicitly so that we can be a blessing to them. So now let's get practical. How do we form deep, caring friendships with people from other nations? I have a lot of ideas for you. I've divided them into two groups. So we'll start first with ideas for doing it here. So as long as you are here in this town, how can you be a blessing and form deep friendships with people from other nations? Well, first of all, I've got to say there's a lot of opportunity for this because there are so many people from other nations living among us. Here's some statistics for you, 2018 stats, 6,200 international students now attend Texas A&M. From 131 different countries, the most common countries represented up at the A&M campus are India, China, South Korea, and Mexico. So an incredible number of international students. And then when you look at the whole of Bryan College Station, 12% of the population was born outside the U.S. That's 30,000 people who live among us, work among us, do life among us, learn among us. They're all around us. So we don't have to work hard to find them. They're there. They're here. We get to do life with them. And so we turn to the Bible and we ask, well, how does God want us to treat people from other nations who live among us? And to answer that, best place I know of to go to is the Old Testament, where God instructed the nation of Israel how to treat foreigners who lived among them. So I'll give you a couple verses here. Leviticus 19, God says to Israel, the foreigner who resides with you must be to you like a native citizen among you. So you must love him as yourself because you were foreigners in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. So God's expectation is that we love the person from another nation as much as we love ourselves. That's a really high bar. What that means is tolerate foreigners is not nearly enough. We have to love them. As we love ourselves, as we love our own families, as we love our own kids, we're to love them to that extent, whether they are U.S. citizens or not. Here's another verse for you, also from Leviticus 23, 22. When you gather in the harvest of your land, you must not completely harvest the corner of your field and you must not gather up the gleanings of your harvest. You must leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord, your God. God's people who have wealth were expected to share it sacrificially with the poor, whether the the poor were citizens or not, whether the poor were part of their ethnic group, Jews, or from other nations. They were required to share sacrificially. So God's expectations is that we would sacrificially love and care for people from other nations who live among us. Let, Let me give you a few practical ways that you can do this. What might that look like? Well, the first really easy step is to participate in the big giveaway. This is an amazing event. It's been going on for decades now at Grace Bible Church. So decades, I mean, it's like 20 plus years ago, we, we realized that we're, there were thousands of international students showing up, getting off a plane here in College Station every August, and they would come from all over the world. And what would they get? They would get a, a, a box of an apartment, just an empty apartment to move into. Well, 
many of them don't have the resources that we enjoy. They don't have furniture. They couldn't fit furniture on a plane seat. And so they show up and they have nothing to, to furnish their houses with. And they don't have the resources to go buy a bunch of new stuff. They need help. And so our church stepped into that space and said, here's a way for us to share the love of Christ in a practical way with these thousands of international students who call College Station home. And so we have the big giveaway every year. Um, This coming summer, it will be August 22nd, we'll give hundreds of sets of furniture away to international students. The event is so big, though, that it's more than just that day. Now we work on it the whole year. And when the the week comes, we gather many times because our goal is not to just give away furniture. Our goal is to really get to know these students coming from other lands, to become friends with them, invite them in our homes, grab lunch with them and be a light and a witness to them. So I encourage you to get involved with the big giveaway if you haven't heard about it yet. If you want to give furniture, volunteer, help meet students, invite students into your home, really easy. Go to our website, grace-bible.org backslash, and it's just big giveaway. So type big giveaway. You'll see all the key dates coming up, all the needs and all the opportunities, really practical way to care for people from other nations living among us. Second friendship connection, I think still meets right here at Anderson. Um, the friendship connection, you just go to our website, backslash international. Amazing way to build friendships with international students by helping them learn conversational English. So you're just helping them work on their English skills and you get to do life with them and get to know them and become friends with them and care about them and be a light to them. So awesome opportunity. Another one that might be a surprise is get involved with one of the charities in our town that in doing their ministry actually blesses lots of people who are from other nations. Habitat for Humanity is just one example uh, that Grace Bible Church supports. Habitat builds affordable, safe housing for people in need, many of whom are from other nations. A couple weeks ago, ago I heard about this lady Graciela Garza she moved to Texas decades ago from another country seeking a better life but uh, got here with her husband and he died 21 years ago suddenly of cancer leaving her and her four young children alone to fend for themselves she was able to rent one room from her pastor she and all four kids slept on one bed every night and they had no hope until Habitat for Humanity stepped up and helped Gabriella to build a house with her own hands and all four kids grew up in that house they had the stability that comes from owning a house they all graduated from high school many of them went to college they're all doing well now and just last year (laughs) Graciela paid off her last mortgage payment on that like she owns her house outright now like how many of us can say that How awesome is that, that a Christian ministry stepped in and said, hey, you're from another place, but we love you. And we're going to show you the love of Christ in a really practical way. So whether it's Habitat for Humanity or SOS Ministries, one of these amazing charities in our town that bless people from other nations, get involved with one of them. So that's how you can do it here. Now let's talk about how to do it there. And it's finally time for us to get to the most important verse in the Bible about the nations. I, I can't preach on the nations and not get to the Great Commission. I'm pretty sure I'd be fired if I left that one out. So the end of Matthew 28, when Jesus gives us his marching orders, last words in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. 
when Jesus says make disciples, he defines it there. It's more than just making converts. It's baptizing them and then teaching them to do all that Jesus commanded. Teaching them to follow Jesus for a lifetime, including following this verse, meaning they're raising up disciples after them. So we're called to make disciples of all nations everywhere. That's actually our primary job description in life. If you've ever wondered what is God's big job for me in life. Why does he have me here on earth? Just so you know, it's not to go to college, get married, buy a house, and have kids. All of those are good, but none of those are why you're here. Uh, Paul, as best as we can tell, never went to college. Amy Carmichael, amazing missionary, never got married. And Jesus, he never had kids. So if that's like the meaning of life, then he failed. But it's not. The reason you're here on earth is to make disciples. That's why God created you and placed you here. So to make disciples of all nations, well, some of us to do that are going to have to go. We're going to have to go to them because there are many people, groups, and nations on earth that don't yet have the gospel. They don't have the Bible. They don't have churches. They're what we call unreached people groups or underreached people groups. Here's a map of the unreached and underreached people on earth. Um, Red and orange are the colors we're looking for. So red is totally unreached. Orange is minimally reached or underreached. If you notice here in the United States, there's not a lot of red dots. There's a few, none of them are in Texas. Not a lot here. Where are they? Well, they're in sub-Saharan Africa and they're throughout uh, Asia, particularly South Asia. That's where all the dots are, which means if we're going to reach them with the gospel, we got to go. There are an incredible number of unreached people groups. That's defined as less than 2% of the population is evangelical. They need help to evangelize the country. That, That people group is not going to come to follow Jesus without outside help sharing the gospel. Um, I'll give you one example of an unreached people group. Uh, These are the 5.6 million Bougainese people of Indonesia. There are virtually zero Christians among 5.6 million people, almost 100% Muslim. So right now they have no gospel. They have no Bible. They have no churches. They have no hope of hearing the good news about Jesus. Now, just so we're clear, God could reach them with dreams or angelic messengers. He's able to do that. But his explicit desire is to reach him through us. That's the point of the New Testament. It's the point of the Great Commission. He said, yeah, I could do it other ways, but I want to do it through you. I want you to go and share the good news of Jesus with them. So some of us need to go and tell them about Jesus. We, we challenge people to think kind of in a new way about tithing. There's the whole like tithing your money thing. That's one thing. But what about tithing your life? So tithing 10% of your life on this planet to going to the nations. So average life expectancy, you're talking about seven and a half years that you are going to go and, and give your life to reaching unreached people groups. We've actually had, had great success with this idea lately. We've sent 33 adults into long-term missions in the last 13 months from Grace Bible Church and our partnering churches here in Bryan College Station. There's a lot of momentum growing. And one of those families went to Indonesia. There's actually a whole team from Grace getting ready to join them in Indonesia to reach these unreached people groups. We'd love to have you consider that. So if you're interested in missions, if you're thinking about maybe a short-term trip, you can go to grace-bible.org backslash mission-trips. So mission trips, that's where you'll learn about short-term trips. If you want to know about longer-term trips, even if you're not sure you want to go yet, you just want to know more about what it could look like to tithe your life to missions, just go to our, our welcome center. It's the big glass room in the foyer and meet our mobilization team. If you walk in the door of the welcome center, you are not signing a paper. 
you are not committing to go. You're just finding out more information. So go talk to them this morning. They would love to talk with you. As you walk out there, you'll see in the foyer these banners listing all the unreached people, peoples on earth. And there's lots of banners. So lots of people still to reach with the good news of the gospel. Okay, as the men and women go back to prepare communion, let's get to those of us who are staying here. So not everyone will go. For those of us who stay, what is our role? Well, for those who stay, we're to pray for and support all those who go. So good news is if you give to Grace Bible Church, some of your money goes directly to missionaries. Uh, for, for years, we've, we've had that. Our church actually supports almost 100 missionaries on the field today. So some of your money goes there. But here's my challenge for you. If you're not already doing this, I encourage you personally to support a missionary you know. There's just something much deeper about that. You're, you get to know them, their needs, the people they're reaching. You pray for them by name. You give to their specific needs. So give to a missionary you know. Now, what if you don't know a missionary? Well, go to the Welcome Center today. Walk inside the mobilization team and just tell them, I would like a missionary. And they will, they'll talk with you and they'll help you think through like what part of the world, what person to support. They'll connect you to someone who you can form a deep relationship, giving and praying with them. So if you're here, if you stay here, you got to get involved through prayer and support. Well, this morning we get to close this message on missions by talking about communion. And that's an amazing fit because when we think about what communion is, what are we doing? We are celebrating through taking the bread and, and the drink, we're celebrating the gift of Jesus for all people. And here's the key to think about. If Jesus would have just died for his own people, then who could be saved? Well, just the Jews. I'm not a Jew. Many of you are not Jewish, meaning we'd have no hope. But Jesus thought about the world. He thought about all nations, all people groups, and he died for all. And that's why we have hope. Jesus died for all People And so, men and women, if you'll come forward to begin to pass the elements, as you take the, the bread and the cup, what I encourage you to do is give thanks that Jesus is Savior to everyone on earth. And then specifically, I'm going to invite you, why don't you ask God to use our church to reach some of these people in Indonesia who don't know the gospel yet? Ask God to share this good news with them. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we praise and we thank you that you chose to die for all of us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you didn't just die for your people, for your nation, but for all people, for all nations. We praise you, God, that you love all nations so deeply. We thank you that you've made salvation possible for all and that you desire all to be saved. And we pray that you would help us to see that and believe that and give our lives to that. I pray, Lord, that you would work right here in, in our community, in our church, to raise up people who will give their lives to going to reaching people like those in Indonesia who don't yet know the gospel, those in Papua New Guinea who don't yet have the Bible. We pray that many from here would go and reach them with the good news of your son and your word. We pray for all of us who stay, that we would give our lives here in College Station to be a blessing to 
all those from the nations. We pray, Lord, that we would love those who come to us. We pray that international students who show up here would see your love displayed through us. We pray that foreigners from other countries who come to Bryan College Station, that we would love them sacrificially, that we would care deeply for them. We pray that that those who are poor from other nations among us, that we would give generously and sacrificially to lift them up and care for them. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would be a generous people. We pray, Lord, that you would help each and every one of us to form deep and abiding friendships with people from other nations, that we might show them the love of Christ and draw them into the kingdom so that all of us one day together in our own languages, our own dress, our own customs might come before you and proclaim how great and good you are. We thank you that that day is coming. We celebrate you, Lord, as we return to worship. In Jesus, your your son, we pray. Amen. If you'll stand and join us as we respond in worship.